feel it's too bad that we feel so separated from other skiers that that we are so diametrically oh my god you're a racer i can't even possibly talk to you you're not my people you know he's right skiers what are we doing we've been turned on ourselves remember when the war used to only be between skiers and snowboarders and that's it the times have changed if you look at snowboarding as an example, a snowboarder is a snowboarder. They have this more sort of unifying mindset. The guys who are out there in the mountains don't go, oh, that stupid little street snowboarder or that little park rat, like, oh my God, I cannot possibly associate myself with him, right? It's like, hey, bro, cool, you're in the mountains, you're into snowboarding, that's rad. We at Mountainmeister know that getting away from it all is great, as long as you make it back. With the DeLorme InReach Explorer's tracking functions and its ability to trigger an interactive SOS in an emergency, you'll be in good hands on any journey. For $35 off of your purchase, go to inreachdelorme.com and use the code MEISTER at checkout. This deal and all others are on our website on the deals page. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mountain Meister. Today with us, we welcome Doug Bishop, who is the general manager of New Schoolers, an online community with some of the most passionate free skiers out there. Many of you have probably heard of it. Doug was an aspiring pro skier for six years and joined New Schoolers in the early, early days. Doug Bishop, welcome to Mountain Meister. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. It is great to have you on the show. Uh, Normally, I'm able to find more than enough information about people online, and I was able to do that with you, but the majority of information I found was through your New Schoolers reviews, Uh, (laughs) and 90% of those are not appropriate for this podcast, (laughs) but the ones that are appropriate were... Old, nice, nerdy, the face of new schoolers. That comes from uh, Raj or Roggy. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. R-O-G-G-E. Rogi. Yeah, Rogi. Mike Rogi. And then also, damn, I wish I could count as high as his karma. That came from somebody named 978. Not sure who that is. Explain the karma concept to our listeners. Yeah, I mean, the karma concept is a, it's a point system on uh, new schoolers. And I mean, it, it, it mimics a lot of like what they do at Reddit or, or various other social communities. Um, specifically, the take that we have on it is that as you contribute to the site, so whether that's reviewing gear, posting photos, posting videos, you know, posting threads, contributing to threads, voting on threads, Everything that you do on the site gives you karma points, and it's essentially a point system for uh, all activities. And the you know idea is is to measure who are the most positive members. Yeah. And you know we've actually built that system out quite a bit, and it's something a lot of people don't understand is that um, as you're contributing content to the site, you start earning points, uh, and then you walk your way up. So. You know, we have paid monetization programs where we pay about 50% of the ad revenue that runs against content. Hmm. So if you're, you know, say you're 
hosting videos, you become a producer. And we select a number of people every year based off their points to move into that position. From there, you can uh, start to get opportunities to do custom content or hmm. shoots or we'll, you know, we'll pay people for certain series that they do, certain episodic type content. Um, and then actually just this year, we hired three of them uh, on staff to be our editor, photo editor and executive producer. So what a great recruiting tool. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's that's the uh, that's the concept. I mean, we really like I've always really felt that, you know, media in, in skiing is a very closed, you know, it's a, it's a closed old boys club, you know, and that's mm-hmm. that's how a lot of industry stuff works. And, and I know that that's kind of part of the world. But you know, we sort of went on this crazy mission um, to really try and open that up because New Schoolers has always been about the community, about the people and about giving them a voice. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're trying to approach the media side of it in that you know, in that same philosophy. So are you pretty proud of your karma points? Do you know how many exactly you have right now? Um, I would have to check to be honest with you. <laughs> so like, I mean, my, the only problem is, is that it, it's a little easy for me sometimes. Cause like maybe I'll post something on behalf of a brand or I get to leak a custom piece of information. So mm-hmm. we actually usually, I mean, you can see us in the overall scoring, but in a lot of the, you know, prizing and ranking and everything that we do, we take a lot of the staff names out because we sort of okay. get an unfair advantage, to yeah. be perfectly honest. Although I admit, I, I was crushed the day that we changed um, the ranking and uh, Schmuck beat me. So <laughs> I saw Schmuck up there. Yeah, he's at the top of a lot of the list. <laughs> yeah, he was our old news editor. Okay. And, uh, you know, he did. He deserved a ton of it. But then we actually had to move where the news was in the in the database and we put it all under his name because it was a legacy system and uh, all of a sudden it boosted it and he beat me and I, I cried that day. So is there any correlation between the new schoolers karma and the kind of karma we're familiar with in Hinduism and Buddhism? <laughs> I mean that like if, if you could actually replicate that philosophy in mathematics that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> Um, because I sort of actually do believe, you know, like I'm, I'm not much of a spiritual or, or religious person or anything, but karma is this one thing, which I don't know, really does make sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, that if you, um, you know, give to the world that, that you then subsequently should receive. And mm-hmm. we've actually tried to replicate that idea that karma scores you based on how good of a member you are. Yeah. Um, that not that I think it's perfect, but you know, um, that's, that, that actually is exactly what we're, we're trying to do. (laughs) Very cool. So I said early, early days in the beginning of the interview, you were telling me that, uh, you, you started or you found, you found new schoolers in 2001. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's about 2001. How, how did you hear about it? Do you remember when you first heard about it? Yeah, I was, uh, I was, so I was in the park trying to be an athlete doing my thing, you know, uh, you know, training or, you know, riding or doing whatever you want to call it. I never liked calling it training because I, I enjoyed every last day of it. Um, and I was with my buddy, Daryl Hunt, um, who's now a, you know, backwoods, backcountry touring hippie. Um, and we were riding together and, you know, standing there in the lift line. And I, I can't remember what the conversation was about, but we were just waiting for this, this little dub, double chair called Badlands at Blue Mountain, Ontario. And uh, he just said to me, 
oh, dude, have you seen newschoolers.com? It's the raddest site ever. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, and I, and I went home and I was living in, I was living at the, at the top of the mountain. Um, and I had like a 2,400 baud modem because the, you know, the phone lines were crap outside (laughs) of it. And, uh, you know, so I went on to this, you know, janky little site and was like, my, you know, my God, I've found Nirvana. (laughs) So then, so how did you eventually get involved in it? You know, one of the great things about it, and it's it's been harder to capture this vibe as it's grown, but, you know, back then, like, and, and it still happens today, and we're trying to beef this out, but anyways, back then, one of the main things you would do is say, I went out to Tremblant for to go to some competition. I don't know what it was. I mean, I used to drive out into as many of these things as I could. I had an old 78 Ford Econoline 150 with like, you know, shag carpet ceilings, and padded <laughs> blur walls, like a big futon in the back. It was, it was a, it was a nice thing, but you know, I needed to park it somewhere. And uh, I went on new schoolers and, you know, posted in the, I think it was the Tromblon private forums. I mean, it was just in the main forums at that time, you know, Hey, anyone got a driveway, I can throw my van in. Um, and I went up there and I met a whole group of guys. Now, Harvey, who had founded it, Matt Harvey, uh, he founded it out of Ottawa in his bedroom. Um, and he, I guess, knew this this crew. And so I met them at this competition, didn't meet Harvey. Um, and then I, you know, just became friends with them. And I would go out to Tromblant occasionally. And then uh, I was up at an event in Ottawa um, which was a summer quarter pipe competition called the Snow Jam. And I was like helping shape the the quarter pipe as, mm-hmm. a, as a volunteer. Well, actually, I wasn't shaping. I was loading ice blocks and stamping out the thing. And I saw this uh, curly-haired guy at the side of the uh, venue handing a sticker to Sarah Burke. And it was a, it was hmm. a New Schooler sticker. Wow. And, and so I, I was too nervous to talk to, to Sarah. But um, then this guy with the New Schooler sticker, I was like, hey, are you – are you one of the new schoolers guys? And he said, yeah, I'm Harvey. And then I found out he knew the same crew and, you know, I knew these guys and we ended up hanging out and that kind of is where that spawned off. Very neat. Random story about Sarah Burke. So, you know, uh, Momentum Ski Camp, I believe mm-hmm. you know that. Uh, I went to Momentum for two summers uh, when I was in high school. I did the, mo- <laughs> I did the mogul camp. And nice. my first time doing the water ramps at uh, Momentum or in Whistler I needed a parent or guardian signature, and Sarah Burke signed as my parent or guardian. Oh man, yeah! How cool is that? Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. It's just, it's just such a, uh, you know, she was such a loss to everybody. Yeah. I mean, she was just the, she was the greatest person ever. I mean, everyone's just got such an incredible story about her, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, m- momentum. Uh, I was actually a, the. I worked at High North mm-hmm. uh, for a number of years, so which we were across the lane, probably throwing snowballs at you guys. Yeah, yeah. You had to take the same uh, lift up, though. Like, yeah, showcase T bar. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we go back to to new schoolers. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were people talking about? Like, so 1999 and then early 2000s. I mean, the conversations are pretty different back then. Like, how did people use this, and then how did it develop as time went on? I mean, you know, the funny thing is, is that I I think there's a lot more romancing of the past that goes on in people's minds, mm-hmm. um, where you know the conversations there's different things you're saying, but you know, realistically, it's a fairly you know similar type of thing where. You know, people all go out skiing on the weekend, 
and then during the week they're bored mm-hmm. and so they want to either you know go on the site meet new friends or chat about skiing and sort of you know fill the time to the next weekend and you know maybe they post a video maybe they you know put up a couple of photos of, of what happened and they tell that story of you know skiing with their friends um and that kind of extends to you know anyone and and i mean the conversations have gotten you know much more advanced um in terms of like you know, the tricks that they're talking mm-hmm. about. And there's way more people and way more people flowing through. Whereas, you know, back in the day, it was a, it was a much smaller community. But you can, you can sort of think about that in, in relation to how that part of, you know, new school freestyle or skiing, free skiing, I guess is, it's called these days. Um, I actually don't like that term. Yeah, I don't know what the, what the term is. To be completely I, honest, <laughs> it's it. Well, it's the what, the popular vernacular is free skiing, so that's the okay. accepted um, thing. At the start, it was new school freestyle in order to differentiate between old freestyle and new freestyle. Yeah, so, yeah. and that's where the word newschoolers dot com came. Mm-hmm. But um, as the years progressed, we sort of went through that like oh, some people don't like the word new school, and then you know I started calling it free skiing and free riding and you know, freestyle and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I kind of went through a bunch of things and it's, it's basically sort of settled in on, on free skiing, especially with the, uh, you know, the Olympics and all that, mm-hmm. that, you know, that was the word that went out to the world. Um, so what do you, what do you hate about it? Um, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't answer. I, I uh-huh. just, honestly, I just, I did just something about it. It's like free skiing. Like yeah. what, in, in all honesty, um, you know, Jay skis, you know, Jay Leventhal, his motto is it's just skiing. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and personally, I think that one of the main problems that we face in skiing is such hyper fragmentation. You know, if you look at snowboarding as an example, Mm -hmm. a snowboarder is a snowboarder, you know, maybe there's a couple of guys that race, but they're still a snowboarder. There's, you know, a big mountain snowboarder is just a snowboarder that does something different. You know, they, Mm -hmm they have this more sort of unifying mindset, you know, and now I understand in skiing that we've been fragmented for so long, a racer, a, you know, big mountain free yeah. freestyler, um, you know, but it, it's just, I feel it's too bad that we feel so separated from other skiers that, yeah. that we are so diametrically, like, oh my God, you're a racer. I can't even possibly <laughs> talk to you. You're not my people, you know? Um, so I, you know, it's kind of part of that where I, I just think that we've, we've just gone right back down the path of, you know, segmenting so much that just, you know, coming up with a new word, it's like, it's just in skiing. You That's know? so true. Yeah, there is. <laughs> I think maybe part of it, uh, is because you can do so much more in, in my opinion, you can do so much more on skis than you can on a snowboard. Um, but I do agree that there is this hyper fragmentation. Yeah. yeah it's, you know, it's funny cause I mean, there, there are a lot, like you can't do moguls on a snowboard. Mm-hmm. That's just not, well, I guess you can. I mean, there's not a well. lot of guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, not like, not like ripping a zipper line with yeah. like straight two, two Oh threes on. Right. But, <laughs> um, you know, there, there is a lot of differentiation. They just, I mean, I like at the company that owns New Schoolers, I get to hang out with the guys from Transworld Snowboarding and Snowboarder Magazine because it's, it's both owned by the same company. And it's just, there's a really, I don't know, there's just a more unifying vibe. Like uh, in my days, I, I used to work in the terrain park. I hung out with a lot of snowboarders as well. And, and you just sort of see like, 
you know, guys look at Jeremy Jones, he's rad, you know, he does crazy stuff. That's amazing. But then, you know, some street snowboarder, the guys who are out there in the mountains don't go, oh, that stupid little street snowboarder or that little park rat, like, oh my God, I cannot possibly associate myself with him, right? It's like, you know, it's just like, hey, bro, cool, you're in the mountains, you're into snowboarding, that's rad, you know? Anyways, yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. I just wanted to go back to what you said uh, earlier there about romanticizing the past. And I totally agree with that. Uh, People always say like the good old days and things like that. And we always reflect so positively on what's happened a while ago. And and like 20 years from now, we're going to look back on the time this day and we're going to say, wow, those were great days. Uh, (laughs) But right now we're saying, oh, everything's so messed up, you know? And it's not. Like, you know, one, I mean, in my, in my own frame of reference, having, uh, you know, actually been, I think it's my 11th year at New Schoolers now, like, I've gotten to see these transitions and everyone says, oh, you know, the old days were so much better. It's like, no, dude, they weren't. I mean, they, you know, they, they were different for sure, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's not very much different from today. And, and applying that logic to the meta world, I actually, I read this book called The Rational Optimist by uh, mm-hmm. Matt Ridley. Um, and he goes through how we should all actually be optimistic about the future because if you look at the data uh, from the past, in fact, every single day that we're on this earth, human life just gets better and better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that often, you know, human perseverance basically solves our, our meta problems, but the you know, media never writes about it. So everybody sits there and says, oh, my God, the past was so much better. I like that. The rational optimist. Yeah. That's yeah, a good book recommendation. Yeah, it's a it's a positive read. It's it's like a little light, and he, he kind of you know rehashes a couple of points. But it, you know, I mean, one of the examples is like acid rain, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't know if you're old enough to remember the hype of acid rain in like the '80s, right? You know, everywhere was oh my god, acid rain! It's going to destroy the planet. We're we're dead. We're all going to die. You know, that's all you could read about. And then it went silent. And if you actually look back at the historical facts. In fact, the acid rain ended up being a fertilizer for the world's forests. Mm. But there's no retraction article printed because it doesn't sell newspapers. (laughs) Well, for the listeners, we have a deal with audible.com where we get paid if you get a free audio book. I'm not sure if the Rational Optimist is on there. I'll check and throw it on your Meister profile page, Doug, on our website, mtnmeister.com. And it is there, The Rational Optimist by Matt Ridley. To get that audiobook for free, go to our website, mtnmeister.com, under the deal section. If you use that link, you'll get a free audiobook and you'll help support us financially. So thanks for that. You're listening to Mountain Meister, and this is our interview with Doug Bishop the general manager of NewSchoolers.com, one of the most popular online communities in all of skiing. I want to talk about the ski industry in the future since you Mm -hmm. are such an expert. Uh, You're an aspiring pro skier. Uh, Now you deal with many aspiring and and professional uh, skiers. What's your take on, say, I'm, I'm sure, I don't know exactly what the data says, but I'm sure that the number of people pursuing a life of a pro skier is growing, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, again, I'm I'm using anecdotal evidence here yeah, yeah. in a peer-reviewed study, but yes, I mean there is definitely you know people vying for it, mm-hmm. um, and there's a there is a, a path that you can follow. And is the demand 
growing as well as the supply? So the demand for pro skiers, is that growing as fast as the supply is growing? No, <laughs> uh, especially if you look at um, the supply versus demand of easily accessible media and channels to promote yourself. Mm, yeah. So, you know, that's a very tricky sort of double-edged sword that an athlete faces today where, you know, oh, it's, you know, it's super easy to get a video camera and to, you know, cut together and edit on a nice computer and, you know, throw it out into the world, whether it's through, you know, Facebook or promoting yourself on Snapchat or posting it on New Schoolers or YouTube or, you know, these million other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's made it that, there are so many people who are out there that are good that are able to actually build a following. So I know that, like, realistically, when you look at the field of athletes, you know, 2% of them are making a really good living. Everybody else is making nothing. <laughs> so how are they doing it? Rich parents? No. Um, I mean, you know, there's a combination of factors. Like sometimes, you know, the the bottom line is that people are able to get a start because they have a good, you know, a good base from their family. They have, you know, access to skiing. They have a chalet. They can get it started. Um, You know, they can get a camera for Christmas and a MacBook Pro and edit stuff, you know, edit Mm -hmm. stuff together. Um, As well, you know, like it's a bit of an over-exaggeration to say that there's nothing. I mean, there is money out there. This is a functional industry. You know, it's not the biggest industry in the world. Sure. But there's a lot of wealthy people out there who, you know, like to ski as a hobby and they will spend real deal money on product. And, you know, the athletes are an aspirational dream for them, if you will. And so companies will spend money. You've got to hustle. You've got to get your act together. You've got to, you know, make sure that you're professional. Um, But you can string enough stuff together. You maybe, you know, a lot of these guys aren't going to end up buying a house on this money or retiring on it. But, hey, string a couple things together, you have a couple of great years skiing, and perhaps you can, you know, mm-hmm. make enough connections to get yourself a job in the industry when your, you know, knee blows out or whatever. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird contrast between the kind of our typical American sports because skiing is just so incredibly expensive. I mean, that's the reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and the professionals relative to other professional athletes don't make nearly as much money, uh, whereas a lot of other sports are much cheaper to pursue, yet the professionals make a ton of money. Yeah, that is a good point. I mean, I wonder, well, you know what? One, I mean, I, I guarantee you one of the things that happens there is the scale of viewership, right? Oh, because- yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, so half the time skiing isn't actually a sport. It's more of like an art. You're getting photographed, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, and you got a you got a much smaller audience. So, going into Ford and saying, you know, hey, wow, we've got a hundred thousand people looking at this stuff. Ford's like, I, yeah. like, I don't even you wasted my time by breathing in the air in my office, you know, um, you know. Whereas a mass appeal sport can actually get those, you know, those 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 corporate dollars. But I mean, the the, the flip side of that because you you have so many skiers saying, oh my god, I want to break out of this industry and you know get into the real world and make the real money. I mean, the real world is cold and harsh and horrible and and unforgiving, and there's lots of competition, you know. Whereas whereas inside of what we've got even though it's a a very niche thing and there's a you know even a a small portion of people doing it 
it is a functional, passionate industry. So you say, okay, I know I'm not going to make the big bucks here. There's no Lamborghinis in my future. That's fine. Um, you know, you can make a nice little existence for yourself that's happy and, and, and fun. And there's enough money flowing around that if you hustle it, that, that you can make it happen. Yeah, well put. Uh, I was looking at the, the most expensive sports out there just to get a kind of perception this is something that i do um there's it says the most expensive sport or sporting event is the witianga festival of speed i'm not sure if i pronounced that right but it's in new zealand and it features multiple sports centered around speed it says the event includes a helicopter race an offshore powerboat race (laughs) jet skiing racing uh rally car versus helicopter racing and parachute swooping among other events (laughs) wow yeah and that's yeah and that's that's got it yeah, you, if you need a helicopter, it's probably going to be an expensive sport. Well, I mean, in skiing, you need a helicopter. That's true. Quite, you know. <laughs> Good point. It's actually, I mean, it's you know, it is funny in terms of money. Like if you start really racking it up, you think about you know what you've got to be to be a you know a ten year old skier. You've got you know probably three to four thousand dollars worth of gear yeah. minimum head to toe. You've got to have, you know, a chalet. You got a truck big enough to carry everybody. I mean ski lessons. You know, I, ski I remember lessons. my dad told me this story. Uh there's this guy, he was skiing he was cat skiing with his son. Um and the driver of the snow cat and the father were like watching the son go down and he does some sort of crazy jump lands it and the the cat driver says to the dad wow like wow your son is a phenomenal skier and the dad's response says that yeah that's what four hundred thousand dollars will buy you (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah 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 that that does happen i mean and there's i mean there's other ways to do it right like it you know you can again i mean you can you can make it happen if you hustle and you get into a mountain town or whatever but that is the that is the other side of it it's it's a very expensive sport well, speaking of buying things, we get a gear recommendation uh, from every person that comes on the show. Mr. Bishop, as they call you, tell our listeners something or two things that they have to have. Okay. Um, so the first one, we'll go with a ski. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that I feel we've wronged at with media is telling everybody that they need multiple pairs of skis, you know, cause like I've ridden like the super floppy hell bents or the, I forget what they're called. The Powabungas now from K2 two pow days a year. Those are the most incredible skis you <laughs> right. have ever had on your feet. 98% of the time it's horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so an all mountain and the all mountain category um, is something that's become very popular. And I, and I think that there's a lot of great brands out there that are doing a lot of great things. Um, personally, I was out at powder week last year uh, and I just kind of just hang out and ski around and while well, I was hustling clients for advertising, but skiing Jackson hole is not a bad place to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried from a new company called uh, Batala skis. Batalla mm-hmm. is how it's pronounced B A T A L L A. Um, and they've got an all mountain twin. And I think that's about somewhere between like 104 and 108 underfoot. Mm-hmm. It's got a 17 meter carving radius. So it actually, like, it'll hook if you, cause I'm an old slalom racer. So I, I still really like something that'll set some springy edge on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice and durable, got a great shape to it. So the, uh, the Batala all mountain twin, I think is probably one of the, 
one of the ones I'm I'm, I'm pressing these days. Nice, I like um, that. Yeah, and then the second, I think it was I think it was Rachel that's uh, that was on your show uh-huh. uh, that suggested Smith eyewear. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been I used to ride for Smith, so and you know. I, like way back in the day um, and I've just kind of always been on it I've tried a lot of different goggles um, a lot of different eyewear too and same as glasses um, Smith just makes like for the kind of combination of you know a decent ish price it's obviously it's a high end uh, you know it's a high end product it's not a low end product so it's going to cost you some money but you know price fashion and quality um, you know they just hit a real sweet spot in there and and there is nothing like having quality eyewear uh, to make your day on the mountains better very great for the listeners check out those recommendations on our website mtnmeister.com as well as a quote from Doug and other highlights from today's episode finally the last question we like to ask is who would you like to see as the next mountain meister your today's mountain meister who's the next one Okay, I'm going to give two. I, I got to give two suggestions yeah, because it depends fine. what direction you want to go in. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to get somebody who's like another industry type of guy and has like a really, really, really fascinating perspective, Jason Leventhal doing J Skis now, start, founded Line Skis. He is an incredibly interesting individual um, and a wealth of knowledge about absolutely everything, extremely opinionated as well. So I've always enjoyed discourse with him. Um, Now, on the mountain side of things, like an athlete, uh, Pep Fujas is a character and a half, and he has had such an interesting life and such an interesting growth. Um, And he's, you know, he's out there in the mountains, still doing his thing, still killing it. He's a smart guy, and he has a very very interesting background so um those depending on your angle i'd say would be my my two well we we might see both of them in the future (laughs) jay and pep for the listeners keep an eye out or get an ear out i should say for those on a future episode of mountain meister doug bishop thank you so much for spending the time with us today hey no problem at all i had a great time I hope everybody enjoyed that episode with Doug Bishop, general manager of NewSchoolers.com. Thanks to one of our sponsors who made this episode possible. It's the DeLorme InReach Explorer, the world's only satellite communicator with built-in navigation. Send and receive text messages, create waypoints, and find your way back from anywhere in the world. For $35 off of your purchase, go to InReachDeLorme.com and use the code MEISTER at checkout. One place where you could be using an InReach Explorer is on Mount Langley in the Southern Sierra. I'm doing a climb with Summit for Someone there. If you're interested in joining, shoot me an email, ben at mtnmeister.com. Thanks for listening to another episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you enjoy doing the rest of whatever you're doing right this very second as you listen to my voice. I'm Ben Shank. You've been listening to Mountain Meister.